Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. As we go to the Word today, I really want to encourage you and lift your spirits. And as I do, I want to quote from a book that was written some time ago by Max Lucado called Eye of the Storm. Max Lucado tells the story of a pet owner who had a bird in a cage. The owner was vacuum cleaning around the cage, underneath the cage, when the phone rang. He reached over to answer the phone and at the same time lifted up the end of the vacuum cleaner pipe. Well, before he knew it, the bird was sucked out of the cage, down the vacuum cleaner pipe, into the vacuum cleaner, and the owner switched it off and quickly opened the vacuum cleaner, pulled the bird out, and he was completely covered in dust, choking. While he rushed upstairs, ran the bird under a tap. And as he ran it under the tap, the bird got literally drowned. So he rushed into the bedroom, turned on the hairdryer, and the bird got blasted with hot hair. And finally, he finished, he put the bird back in the cage. A friend came and asked, wow, how did your bird survive? Is your bird okay? And he said this, Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. He just sits and stares. And you know, Chippy is like a lot of people. They've been through crisis. They've been buffeted. They've been blasted. And now they just sit and stare. And that's not God's plan for us. He wants us to get through crises and he wants us to survive the difficult times that we're living in. I want to speak to you today on the important topic, especially with what we're going through. I want to speak to you on surviving a season of testing because life is tough and we're going through a season of testing and God allows tests. In fact, he uses them. Did you know that Jesus was tested? Jesus went into the wilderness and the Bible says he was tempted by the devil. And then it says this, and the devil withdrew until another season. You see, the devil comes in different seasons and God allows it because he uses it to test us and to grow us. And the key thing for us is to understand that this is how it works. And for us to understand that these are the challenges we go through, God will use them to grow our lives. Not everything is God sent, but everything is indeed God used. It's very interesting that Jeffrey Canada, the Christian author, says this. He says, it's easy to have faith when everything is going great. The real test of faith is when you're facing something that only your faith in God will get you through. You see, we need faith in God right now because we're going through a test. This crisis across the world is testing the faith of believers. It's testing the metal of unbelievers. And it's a time that God can use to grow us rather than to defeat us. The definition of a test is this. It's to examine or to take a keen look at. A means whereby our verbal claims, what we say, are weighed, assessed, and proved genuine or reliable. God uses tests to have a good look at us to see whether what we say is actually what we really believe and how we're living. And tests are very good because you don't always know what's in a person. Everyone looks the same until a time of testing. Then you can see what's beneath the surface. And God allows tests because he then tests to see what it is we're depending on. Are we depending on our resources? Are we depending on our jobs? Are we depending on material things? 
pleasure. Is that what the foundation of our life is? Or are we depending on him? You know, recently we bought a bag of macadamians. I love macadamians. They are lovely, lovely nuts. And when I opened them and began to eat them, some of them were mushy. Some of them were rock hard. What the picture on the outside looked like was not what was inside. So now when we buy them, the best thing to do is to tear it open first in the shop and to test them to see whether what's on the picture is actually what's in the bag. And that's a bit like what God does. He tests us to see whether what we say is really the truth that's in our lives. That's exactly what God does. He tests to see what we say and what we look like on the outside is exactly what's on the inside. Now, before I get into the full body of the message, I want to say this. Many people are questioning why God allows this to happen. Is God involved in the affairs of the world? Why are we going through this and why doesn't God stop it? Well, God is involved in all the affairs of this world and we can trust that he uses them for his good. God doesn't ordain disease, but he permits it. He was involved in all the plagues of Egypt, one of which was pestilence. And so God is involved in the affairs of the world. The earthquakes that we've seen recorded in the Bible, there have been people that have been ill in the Bible. Disease and disaster is not new. And so we need to understand God is involved. He even caused a wind to be whipped up and Jonah was thrown into the sea. God is behind everything, but he doesn't strictly cause it. He often permits it because from it he can use it as a test to develop his people. God uses all things for the good. We need to understand this because so often people divorce God from everything. We say, oh, when there's a tornado, it's not God. But in the Bible, a tornado knocked down Job's house. So often when we see these things, don't say, well, that's a geological explanation. There could also be a theological explanation. When there are diseases, we can't just say there's a medical explanation. There could also be a theological explanation because God is not divorced He's not defeated by disease and he's not disconnected from it. He works in his will to test us and he uses these things to grow his people. Sometimes when we experience death on a large scale, like we're seeing across the world, we question God. But did you know that 6,000 people die every hour right across the world? And everyone has to die eventually. So that doesn't put in question God's goodness. God allows things and he's got a much greater purpose than we understand. So how do we survive a season of testing? Number one, let this season develop, not damage you. This season can either develop you or it can damage you depending on your response. And our response needs to be one of faith and complete trust in God despite not understanding everything about what's going on. In 1 Peter chapter 4, Peter makes this statement and he says, My dear friends, do not be surprised or shocked at the painful test you are suffering, as though something unusual were happening to you. You see, if we think it's unusual, we won't respond correctly. He says, no, this is, this is part of life. This is part of what God does. Mark Mittenberg said this, in his book, The Reason Why Faith Makes Sense. He says it's common in the middle of drought to forget that rain is the norm. Or in the middle of a flood 
to forget that floods rarely happen. Or when bad news comes from the doctor, to forget that for most of us, this comes after many years of relatively good health. You see, we shouldn't be surprised. We can enjoy a good season of blessing and prosperity and good health and travel and everything's great. But we shouldn't be surprised when a test comes. We need to say, oh, there we go, we're being tested again. In fact, if we look at the book of Job, we see that Job was tested. And this is what Job says about the test. Because tests come in seasons. Job said this, why are human beings so important to you? Why pay attention to what they do? You inspect them every morning and test them every minute. You see, I think all of life is a test. But sometimes there's seasons of testing. And we need to make sure that in them, as we experience the resistance, they develop us like muscles instead of defeating us. Israel was put in the furnace in the wilderness. And the Bible clearly says that God did it. He tested them. And uh, in Isaiah it says, I have tested you in the fire of suffering as silver is refined in a furnace. So God uses heat and pressure to develop his people. Rick Warren, who has the eighth largest church in America, said this about faith. He said, God builds your faith and my faith by testing it. He builds our faith by putting it to the test, by trying it. Faith is like a muscle, and when it's stretched and it's pulled, then it develops. When you test your muscles against weights, then your muscles develop, and your faith develops as it is tested. So God uses tests not to defeat us, not to show that he's almighty, not to show that he's disconnected from what's happening, but to develop us. The question is, will we develop or will we be destroyed? Lots of people turn away from God, but I believe for the Christian in this season, we need to grow stronger and stronger. Again, in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 6, Peter says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a while, a season, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. So we know, hey, it's just a season, and I'm going to let this develop me, and soon it will be past, and I'll be resilient, I'll be stronger in Christ. That's the way we need to survive a season of testing. Number two, the second thing that we can do to survive a season of testing is to submit to the tests of waiting and uncertainty. Submit to the tests of waiting and uncertainty. Often God will put you through a time where you just have to wait. We're currently in 21 days of lockdown. We're waiting and waiting. And a lot of people are wondering, when will it end? And when it ends, what will happen after that? When will God bring a cure? And so there are many questions, but what we need to do is we need to submit to it. Don't fight it. Let it develop you. Let it grow you, but submit to it. If you study scripture, you'll see that Joseph, who was in the perfect plan of God, had to go through a long time of waiting in Egypt and especially in prison. He spent two long years in a prison Forgotten, the Bible says, by the cupbearer who completely forgot about Joseph interpreting his dream. And we can feel a bit like we're in a prison. We're in lockdown. And we need to submit to the season of patiently waiting and of the uncertainty because God is busy in the meantime. What Joseph's story really illustrates for us is this, that while we're in waiting, God is at work. 
don't think that because nothing's happening that God isn't at work. God is always at work, moving the puzzle pieces. And in a time of testing, when it seems like nothing's happening, God is actually busy. And Joseph was in prison for two long years. You know, one day passed, then a week passed, then a month passed, then a year passed, then two years passed. Can you imagine what it must have been like sitting in that cell, waiting and praying and expecting God to answer? And he heard nothing. But Joseph stayed faithful. He stayed confident that God would come through. And you know, when you think about waiting, if you've ever been to a doctor, the first thing when you go to a doctor is you go into what's called a waiting room. And you sit in the waiting room and you do not see a doctor. There is no doctor. He doesn't even come into the waiting room. And you can wait and you can read magazines and you can spend your time in the waiting room. But then eventually you get ushered into what's called the examination room. And you say, well, we're getting somewhere. But the examination room is not where the answer takes place. You get examined and you get checked and, and, and that you have to be patient. And then they tell you, get dressed. And then you go into what's called the consultation room. And you go, well, we're getting somewhere now. Waiting, examined, consultation. But then we end up in the last room. And this is the one we all want to be in, is the treatment room or the theater. We want to be fixed. Fix us. But God says, no, you have to wait. I'm going to have to examine. I'm going to test. Then I'm going to consult with the heavenly choir, with the heavenly angels, with my father. And then I'm going to come and take action. And then there's going to be treatment. And I'm going to do something in your life. And that's what Joseph went through. And we need to be patient in the waiting rooms and in the waiting seasons. It's so easy for us to become discouraged and to think God isn't working, but God is always at work. Remember Daniel, when Daniel found himself and the people of Israel in 70 years of captivity. My, he prayed and fasted for 21 days. Isn't that interesting? He prayed and fasted for 21 days. Why 21 days? Because nothing seemed to be happening. He was waiting and waiting and waiting. But then on the 22nd day, an angel came to him. And I want to read it to you from the book of Daniel chapter 10. The angel says to Daniel, Daniel, don't be afraid. God has heard your prayers ever since the first day you decided to humble yourself in order to gain understanding. In other words, from the very first time you prayed, I heard, God says. But notice, it goes on to say, I've come in answer to your prayer. The angel prince of the kingdom of Persia opposed me for 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief angels, came to help me because I had been left alone in Persia. We need to be patient during this time of testing because God is listening to us. Don't feel your prayers are just going up into the air. No, God hears, but there's a process. There's often spiritual war and God is busy behind the scenes. Let's submit to the seasons of uncertainty and the seasons of of waiting. Rick Warren says again, the ultimate test of faith is not how loudly you praise God in the happy times, but how deeply you trust him in the dark times. And sometimes dark times are when God is not speaking and you have to wait. Number three, the third way for us to survive a season of testing is to realize this, tests build faith and bring rewards. Tests build faith and bring rewards. So we must let this test build faith and bring rewards. Your faith can actually grow during this time, even though it's a negative season. And God uses it because its resistance 
which can build faith and it can actually grow us. James chapter 1 and verse 12, we're reminded in the Good News Bible, happy are those who remain faithful under trials because when they succeed in passing such a test, they will receive as their reward the life which God has promised to those who love him. Faith is being tested and faith is being grown in times of testing. John Maxwell put it so beautifully when he said, if your Christianity is genuine, it must show up in trouble. It's, if it's no good for trouble, then it's no good. If it's only good for when you don't need it, well, then you don't need it. And it's so important for us to understand that God is using the test to grow faith and that at the end of it, we can be rewarded. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 6 in the good news, Peter says this, Be glad about this, even though it may now be necessary for you to be sad for a while because of the many kinds of trials you suffer. Their purpose is to prove that your faith is genuine, not shallow, weak, or emotional. Even gold, which can be destroyed, is tested by fire. And so your faith, which is much more precious than gold, which is just a substance, must also be tested so that it may endure. God's testing to see whether we really believe. And what happens in times of crisis is fear arises. It's natural. It arises and we, we get into self-preservation mode. But we've got to be very careful of fear because fear expects the worst. Faith expects the best. Fear says this, I might. And it begins to predict what might happen. I might not get through. I might get sick. I might lose my job. I might be short of food. I might be short of finances. And we start to say what might happen instead of trusting God. And then it can become like a phobia and it can grip us. And you know, the rich and the poor, the educated and the uneducated, the, the weak and the powerful all face fear and we all have an opportunity to embrace fear and let it become like a phobia or we can say, no, my faith's going to grow at this time and I'm going to trust God because the season of testing produces in us different results. I found it fascinating that even amongst the powerful and the rich, they don't escape fear because it's only the word of God that can take away fear. I was recently reading an article that spoke about the phobias that some famous people have. And uh, Jennifer Aniston, Schur, and Hoopy Goldberg, they have what's called, a, they are aviophobes. They are afraid of flying. Getting into an airplane is massively tense for them. They have a fear. What, this plane might crash. What might happen? And there's so many others. Barbara Streisand, she's xenophobic. She's afraid of strangers. And then there was Michael Jackson, who they say was misophobic. He was worried about getting an infection, getting a disease, being contaminated in some way. And, and so he walked around with a mask way before masks were even used or became popular. Woody Allen, another director and actor, uh, he, he's afraid of insects, he's afraid of children, he's afraid of sunshine, dogs, bright colors, heights, small rooms, crowds, and cancer. He's afraid of what might happen if he's in those situations. And the mighty Napoleon Bonaparte, can you believe it, that great general that's gone down in history as one of the best, he was afraid of cats. You see, fear can come and grip you, but faith instead has got to grow. Neil T. Anderson is a great author, and he wrote a book called Freedom from Fear. Great, great book worth reading. And he says this, he says, fear is a thief. 
It erodes our faith, plunders our hope, steals our freedom, and takes away our joy of living the abundant life in Christ. Phobias are like the coils of a snake. The more we give in to them, the tighter they squeeze. Tired of fighting, we succumb to the temptation and surrender to our fears. But what seemed like an easy way out becomes in reality a prison of unbelief, a fortress of fear that holds us captive. We've got a God at this time of testing that we don't allow our phobias to rage. I've met some strong people, spoken on the phone to some very strong people, and they are allowing their fears to rule them. Fear of lack, fear of illness. You know, when Abraham was tested by God, he went up onto the mountain with his only son. And you know what he said? He said, the Lord will provide. And Abraham knew, I will not lose out. Because even if I give my all, God will come through for me. He wasn't ruled by fear. He wasn't in a prison of fear. He wasn't in a prison of phobias. Abraham's faith grew in a time of testing. The famous Dr. Billy Graham, who we so hugely respect, once said this. He said, sometimes God does test our faith. Just as he tested the faith of the ancient Israelites by allowing them to go through hard times in the wilderness in order to know what was in their hearts. Deuteronomy chapter 8, by the way, refers to that. He goes on to say, remember, if our faith is weak, it may not be obvious when life is going smoothly and we aren't challenged in any way. But when hard times come, a weak faith will be revealed for what it really is, shallow and unable to help us through life's difficulties. It may be anything, an unexpected illness, the death of a loved one, the loss of our job, or even a friend who turns against us, he says. But when hard times happen, the true nature of our faith will be revealed. So you say, well, what's God trying to do? Well, he reveals, hey, you haven't got a good foundation here. That should cause us to not get into fear and panic, but to go, hey, I need to trust him. I need to dig into the word. I need to walk on the promises of God and stand on the promises of God and live in the promises of God. Then my faith will be resuscitated. Remember what it says in James chapter 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, the different seasons is literally saying, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, when life is good, faith is not, not tested. But when life is tough, faith is tested, and we can assess, hey, hang on a minute, I need to grow a bit more, and we can delve back into the Word of God. Bonnie S. Hurst is a wonderful Christian woman, and uh, she always believed that everything would work out for the good. She had a great faith in God and a great confidence in God. And I was reading her story, which is quite fascinating. Her daughter, Lacey, was arrested for a terrible crime, and she trusted God. She had faith. This is going to be okay. This is, a, this is a season of testing and trial for our family, and God will come through. He always does. Everything always works out, and God is always faithful. My prayers are always answered. And she went down that whole road, and, well, sadly, eventually, her daughter was convicted of murder, and she was sentenced to life in prison. Well, Bonnie was quite shocked. It actually devastated her. And uh, 
She, she couldn't understand the purpose behind this. And as her and her family na navigated the complicated legal system, she went through an extremely hard time. She began to lose her bearings. She began to wonder if God was in it and why was God letting this happen? And she was really thrown. And then she did something which she'd never done before. She asked for help from other believers around her, friends around her, and they came rallying around her, supported her, and they helped her get through. And uh, we all need people at a time like this. If you're struggling with faith and you feel you're really being tested, then, you know, get on the phone, get on some FaceTime, get online, connect. We, we, we talk about social distancing. Well, no, not social distancing. Physical distancing is good. We need to be socially connected. And Bonnie found that there were people that rallied around her. Well, to cut a long story short, she eventually wrote a wonderful book. And the book's called Test of Faith. Surviving My Daughter's Life Sentence. And in this book, she tells of the story of a severe test of faith when her life radically veered off course and she discovered God's blessings. She discovered new friendships and her daughter's been in jail for some 10 years already, but her faith is still strong. She survived a season of testing because she went through it with the help of people and she clung to the Lord. Let's make sure we do that in this time of crisis. Number four, I hope you're being helped today and I hope this doesn't feel too long, but I do feel a chunk of teaching and a focus on the word is what we need when we're trying to survive a season of testing. Number four, a season of testing can produce depth of character. It can, it might not. So let the season of testing produce in you depth of character. You decide whether you're going to go deeper or you're going to become shallower. Oh no, this is no good. What kind of God is this? Or I know my Redeemer lives. Like Job said, and you become strong. Let this take you down to a place where there's real depth in your life. And trials and tests show us what's really in our lives. They show us our character. And uh, that's why Joseph spent 13 years in Egypt and two years in prison because God was doing something and deepening his character. And I want to read these verses to you in Psalm 105 from two translations. Firstly, in Young's literal translation, it says, They have afflicted with fetters his feet. This is Joseph in prison. Iron hath entered his soul till the time of the coming of his word. The saying of Jehovah hath tried him. Something happened in the depths of him through what was put on the outside of him. He's confined in a prison. He's put in iron, but something happens in his soul, Young's translation says. So if we look at this in the New Living Translation, it says this. They bruised his feet with fetters and placed his neck in an iron collar. He was in a place of lockdown until the time came to fulfill his dreams. The Lord tested Joseph's character. You see, we mustn't see this as an interruption in our lives, this 21-day lockdown. We must see it as preparation in our souls. God used it with Joseph, and it can produce depths of character in us. If we embrace it, we wait through the season of uncertainty, we expect a reward, and we trust God to work in us, to develop us. It's up to you how you respond to this season of testing. Joseph came through it strong, and he was promoted. And often testing is used to see how strong we are and then God can promote us to the next level. Max Lucado, the author, 
in speaking about Joseph's life, says this. He says, in the chaos called Joseph's life, I count one broken promise, at least two betrayals, several bursts of hatred, two abductions, more than one attempted seduction, ten jealous brothers, one case of poor parenting, even abuse, unjust imprisonment, 24 months of prison food, mix it all together and let it sit for 13 years and what do you get? Well, I'll tell you what you get. You get a man of character that could be promoted to prime minister. Testing produces results and it produces depth of character. If you look at a lot of people who are in high positions, large churches, you can think it's just a gift. Something just happened. How wonderful. God blessed them and he didn't bless others. No, no, no. They've been through times of testing and passed the test and depth of character has developed and God can take them forward. No test or trial in Christ is wasted. Unfortunately, with the unchurched or the unsaved, when they go through tests, often it is wasted because the result is bitterness, anger, resentment, hostility, even violence. What's going on in my life? And they're hard people to be around. But a Christian who goes through testing, it, it, it results in preparation, in deepening in the soul and in character development that God can use to later promote them. Job described it like this. He said, and when he tests me, I will come out as pure gold. In other words, I'm not going to be resentful. I'm not going to be bitter. Job had every right. He lost his home. He lost his children. He had to dig 10 graves. But Job says, no, when I come through this, I'm going to be a deeper and better person. I'm going to come out like gold. And gold represents good character. It re represents purity. A, a silversmith was once asked, how do you know when impurities are burnt away in silver? He said, when I can see my reflection in the silver. And I think God uses tests until he can see his reflection in our lives. And then he says, well, now you are ready and I can move you forward. Notice again in Proverbs chapter 17, the crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. Let's make sure we pass the test because the pressure that's being applied is to test to see what we're made of so that God can use us and he can use us for bigger things and greater things. When we were in the leather business and I used to manufacture footwear, the SABS used to run a program for testing shoes. And what they do is they take your footwear and they'd attach it to a machine and they'd lace it up or buckle it up or whatever. And then they'd run that machine to simulate hours and hours and hours of constant walking. In this way, they would test the quality of the product. It didn't just look good on the shelf. It wasn't just well finished. It actually had inherent beneath the surface good quality. The stitching was good. The glue that you couldn't see was good. And if at the end, you, your shoe got through this test, you would get what's called the SABS mark of approval. This meant it was superior quality. That meant you could charge more. And so when God tests us, he submits us to intensive things, but that raises our value and we get the stamp of his approval and we're used. God uses this with leaders, even in the church. There needs to be testing. If you want to be a great leader, you need to go through seasons of testing. 
And uh, the Bible says that Israel was taken through seasons of testing. In Deuteronomy, the Bible says that the Lord took them as his people through the wilderness and humbled them, Deuteronomy 8, that he might test them to see what was in their hearts. He used the wilderness for testing. And God will do that in his people and he will do it in leaders. Notice this in the New Testament in 1 Timothy chapter 3. It says church helpers must also have a good character and be sincere. They should be tested first. Then if they pass the test, they are to serve. You see, testing often prepares you for the next level, but it seems so hard at the time. But that's how you get promoted. In fact, in any field, testing needs to take place. And we're in a battle at the moment, in a kind of a war. And God's testing us, but it can produce depth of character. I love the author and speaker, David Jeremiah, and uh, I read one of his books called What Do You Do When You Don't Know What To Do? And in the book, he talks about testing. He talks about what's called Hell Week, where the U.S. Navy, their basic underwater demolition school, takes sailors and turns them into what we know as SEALs. SEALs are sea land commanders. And they take these ordinary sailors and they put them through an entire program of testing, rigorous testing and training, and then they come out as commandos on the other side, and they're used for very, very serious operations. And he says, oh, there's all kinds of physical things. It starts with a 270-meter swim, and then eventually, after all the training, they go into what's called Hell Week. And Hell Week is hectic because it begins on a Sunday night. And Sunday night, they wake you up during the night with a machine gun with blanks in it firing on one side and a high-pressure water jet squirting and shooting water on the other side. And you're kind of shocked into your senses. And they get you up, he says, and you're awakened. And the instructor shouts at you, we've got a mission to perform this evening. And everyone's shaken out of their sleep. And then he says, it turns out to be an exercise where they take them and they, they, they go into the sea and then they lie wet on steel plates on a pier. And that's the introduction on the Sunday night. And then he says on Monday, they have to do six man, uh, have to be in six man teams and they have to run with these dinghies on their heads, these, uh, these Zodiac rubber dinghies. And uh, they weigh some 120 kilos and they have to do races with them on their heads. Then on Tuesday, after less than an hour's sleep, they get into those same Zodiac boats and they have to cross an expansive water 28 kilometers long to go to Mexico. And he says on the way, some of them are actually falling asleep in the boat. But what is this? Is this to just harm them? Is this to hurt them? No, this is a test of development because they're going to be promoted. And he says, and on and on it goes on Wednesday. They do races with these boats, and every 10 minutes, they're made to stand up. Uh, they go into the sea, then they're made to stand up and ex experience the wind on their wet bodies, and then they go back into the sea. He says, by Thursday evening, everyone's hallucinating, and they can hardly eat. By Friday, the week is over, and the seals are lined up, and they're inspected by a doctor. Now, at this point, each one of them is given a little bell, and if he wants to, he can ring it three times, and that bell means, I quit. But most of them don't. They pass the test and they go on to be high-level commandos that are used to win very significant battles. You know, I believe that's what God is doing with the church right now. He's taking us through a time of testing, deepening our character, developing our faith, teaching us how to wait in the times of uncertainty so that we can go to another level and that the church can be stronger 
than ever. Let me come to my last point today. Tests make us examine our values and foundations. I want to encourage you that as you go through this test at the moment, this season of testing, examine your values and your foundations. What is it that's under your life? What is it that is in the soil of your life? Is it strong or is it shallow? Jesus actually spoke about two men. One built their house on the rock by listening to his word and obeying it, and the other didn't build his house on the sand. Two different kinds of foundation. And I want to read it to you because it's so well known. It's, it's an important passage of scripture because you can either be building your life on the sand of shifting culture and changing trends and the instability of political events, or you can be building it on what Jesus says. And he says here in Matthew chapter 7, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Now watch. Though the rain comes in torrents, even to the person who's built on the rock, and the flood waters rise, a Christian will experience this, and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. Can you see, even as a Christian, when you build your life on what Jesus says, you don't escape disease, you don't escape disasters. They come, but at least your foundation is strong. And people look at you and say, man, what is it about you? But then he goes on to contrast. He says, but anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey, it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. You know what the truth is? Is everyone's life looks the same until disaster or disease comes. Then our foundations are revealed. And we're going through a season at the moment of testing and of trial. And we need to make sure that our foundations are strong. The test will reveal our foundations, will show us how we need to strengthen them, how we need to be more obedient and more grounded on the word of God. And, and you know, John Stewart, the, the comedian, said this. He said, if you don't stick to your values when they're being tested, they're not values, they're hobbies. In other words, they're just these ideas, these things you entertain. But when you really have as a foundation the values of the word of God, then suddenly you can stand firm during times of testing. The question is, will we pass these tests or will we fail? We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message. 